0: At the beginning, you're calling realtors, you're new, they know you're new, so I said to myself, I'd rather build my foundation first and get really strong, and then hopefully the realtors will will come, which is what's happening right now.
1: The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation. In this episode, I have Sue Hamid. Sue is a mortgage broker based out of Ottawa, Ontario. And Sue has been in the business for five years, and every single year, she's continued to grow, expand her business. And Sue takes a non-traditional approach to her business. So most people tell you, you need to build real estate partners, uh, realtors, which I'm a big believer in. But Sue is like, no, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to... Do networking events and go out and build my community and so Sue shares how she did that and some advice on how to do networking so I'm personally not it's not my strength but she shares some really good tips on how you can become better at networking so check out this interview with Sue I think you're gonna love it also if you're a mortgage broker looking for a, to do a private loan in BC or Alberta Check out Pioneer West Acceptance Corp. Stiles, Stewart, and the guys there have been huge supporters of our community for a long time, and they're absolutely awesome to deal with on private mortgages. So reach out to Stiles, tell them that you heard about them from I Love Mortgage Brokering, and check out this episode with Sue. Hey, Sue, welcome to the show.
0: Hi, Scott. Thanks for having
1: me on. I heard about you. You're a big producer out of Ottawa. I had heard about your story a little bit. It was sort of your progression of like growth every single year in your business and how you have sort of an unconventional approach, as well as unconventional wisdom, I guess, in terms of how you've done it. So I really want to chat with you today about that. So why don't you tell me a little bit about how you got into the mortgage business? And I'd love to hear sort of your story over the last few years of what that looked like.
0: Uh, So basically, I got into the mortgage business after being in a family business for a very long time. And uh, things were changing in the family business. And I started a family. I had young children. So I was looking to move into something for myself and to start something on my own.
1: What kind of family business was it?
0: So my father owned a couple of different businesses. He did uh, off custom office furniture, like high end, and also uh, kitchen cabinets. So we were supplying to a lot of the builders in the city at the time. Okay. My dad was getting old and we wanted him to retire. And uh, we wanted him to retire the businesses as well so that we could, all of us, branch out on our own and do our own thing.
1: And okay, so 2013 you started. How was the first year?
0: First year was, uh, it was rough. I mean, huge, steep learning curve, right? Because I didn't come from a bank. I didn't have a financial background. Uh, when I started, my son was two years old and my daughter was three months old. So I was juggling two small children and trying to find the time to, you know, learn the basics, learn the foundation and also get the word out there of what I'm doing.
1: Would you mind sharing what you did in production in that first year?
0: Yeah. So in production, I guess it was eight deals. I think that equates to uh, maybe $2 million in the Ottawa market. Um, And it was a full year. We're talking seven months.
1: What I love is if somebody's in that stage right now, how did you fill your time in that first year?
0: So I I had to try to get out and talk to people. So I went to networking events. Um, I used social media at the beginning as well to get the word out there. Because, you know, all of a sudden people know you for so long as doing one thing and now you're jumping into something new and I wanted to get the word out. So I would say main two points were um, social media and networking events.
1: Okay. Tell me about the next couple of years. How did they go in terms of your uh, production and sort of how things went?
0: Absolutely. So 2014, I did 8 million. That was the year where I was thinking, wow, this is amazing. I'm loving this. I, I see progress. I see a huge jump. Uh, 2015, I did 15 million. 2016, uh, 25 million. And then in 2017, I jumped to 39 million.
1: Okay, so you basically had growth every single year. And then one of the things you had said in our pre interview conversation is that one of the pieces of advice you were given was to chase realtors, which I am actually if you do it properly, I think it's it can be a good strategy. But you're like, forget that I'm not going to go after realtors. And so I'm always like, Oh, interesting. This is like, you're an anomaly an outlier that you've, how did you do it? So what was your path to start building your business without using the traditional approach?
0: Yeah. So my rationale behind it of not chasing realtors was at the beginning, you know, you're calling realtors, you're new, they know you're new. I could see every all the other new agents in the office doing the same thing. So I said to myself, I'd rather build my foundation first and get really strong. And then hopefully the realtors will, will come, which is what's happening right now. So at the beginning, I focused uh, a lot on going out and, and being productive, you know, every single day, I would look at my weeks at the beginning on a Sunday night, And if I was not busy enough, I would find, you know, events or opportunities to participate in that would get me face to face in front of people.
1: So give me examples of what type of events and things would you go to?
0: I was part of a lot of ladies organizations in Ottawa. And for me, that was a huge part of my business because uh, women supporting women in business is huge. And I tapped into that really early on, knowing that if I could support other women in their businesses, they'd want to support me in my business. So I went to a lot of female business events, either breakfast meetings, lunch meetings, there was afternoon meetings, stuff like that. Uh, And then I would literally just go online and find different business networking events to click attend and I would show up.
1: Right. Okay. So, and and now just out of curious, you said you had a young family. So how you must have had some kind of support I don't imagine you left your kids in the car, right? You're like, hey kids, you just stay in the car and I'll leave the window down a little bit for you. I know, I'm just joking. So how did you manage to have the bandwidth to go out and do the networking events? Because then, And then, how many hours a week would you say you spent on this in those early years when you had time?
0: In the early years, I would say starting in 2014, in year two, um, I probably tried to attend at least four to five events a week. So we're talking, you know, two hours each event. So let's say 10 hours a week. I had great support. Um, my mom Definitely helped me with my kids whenever I needed her to. I would drop them off if we had lender meetings or I had networking events. And my husband also being self-employed, he was also flexible. So we basically made it work. And um, paperwork for me was typically after 9pm when the kids were sleeping.
1: Right. So you just had to structure your days. Okay, so about 10 hours a week, and then you had some family support in order to allow you to go out and spend 10 hours a week. Uh, and okay, so uh, personally, the way I'm wired, I'm not good at networking events. Like, it's just not my jam. If I go to a networking event, if I meet one person, I'm happy, I'll ch- chat with them. And so ha- tell me some of the things you did in order to make networking events successful. Because it's, I'm like it's like a foreign language to me
0: definitely and they're not it's it's uncomfortable you're walking to a room of you know 20 30 40 people you don't know anybody and you've got to come in and kind of just start mixing and mingling so at the beginning of course it was a bit tougher but as it became part of my routine, I got used to it. I am social, so I love to go out and talk to people. I would just mix and mingle. There was always like 20, 30 minutes of open networking, and then there would be more of a sit-down formal part on with most of the meetings, I would say. Uh, so in the mix and mingle, I would you know try to at least talk to five or six people. I would always go up to them and ask them about their business and, and be interested in them. It was never about me. So I wouldn't go in there and say, hi, I'm a mortgage broker you know, do you have anybody for me? That was never my approach. My approach was always to try to find common ground to communicate and find out more about them. And then it led into, you know, building a relationship, right?
1: Okay, so, and then you meet somebody, try to be interested in them, which is really good advice. So when they asked you what you did, did you have like a certain response that you would use that you found was effective?
0: Yeah, I mean, I would mix it up. You know, I would just say... A little bit about myself being a mortgage agent at the time or broker now, what I love about my business. So when talking about yourself and what you do, I think it's important to uh, be passionate about it, like be excited about it. So if I'm sitting there saying I'm a mortgage agent and I have this dreadful look on my face and I, it looks like I hate what I'm doing, then no one's really going to want to work with me, right?
1: Mm-hmm. So, you share. You basically made sure that you'd identify what you were, but sharing your passion and the love, because you're right, that's infectious in a good way. When somebody's passionate about something, they're like, "Oh man, I'm so." My wife teaches sourdough, and she's so excited about sourdough, and you know all these things. And and I'm like, I'm interested in sourdough because you're so crazy about it, right? Plus, I get to eat it every day. But I get what you're saying. So yeah, that's a really good a distinction to make sure you bring passion to that. So then, what other things would you do that would make those networking events effective?
0: Another thing I would do is I'd follow up. So I think uh, the key thing when you're meeting people is you're gathering their cards, follow up afterwards. So if I made any connections with any people at the events and I thought that it could be a, you know, a longer term referral relationship both ways, then I would reach out to them and set up a coffee meeting one-on-one.
1: I'm basically creating a little document here as we're talking because I'm real good at this. I'm like, it's like I'm going to school on how to networking. Uh, so be interested, have a response, but make sure that you're bring some passion to it. And then follow up in terms of, so were there people that you met and you were like, because sometimes I've gone to networking events, we were like, oh yeah, we should do coffee. And it's that whole, but you know, they're full of crap and you're full of crap. And so how do you make sure that you're actually going to follow through and then walk me through that?
0: Well, I think inevitably there's people that I've met over the years that, you know, we've gone out for coffee or we've met, but it didn't go anywhere. But I always look at things in a bigger picture. So I feel that every time I've ever left my office or left the house and gone to one of these events, either it's a direct or indirect connection. So I meet somebody, I either end up doing business with them or someone close to them, or they end up somehow directing me to another person that becomes a great referral or a great client.
1: So if, let's say you meet somebody at a networking event and they have like a website business. Or, so would you go meet anybody for coffee? Like if it was like, if they had another entrepreneur another business owner, would you figure out who was strategic to meet with and who wasn't?
0: Yeah, it it was definitely strategic. So I looked for uh, businesses that kind of parallel us or that we would be able to establish some kind of relationship with. So, I mean, if I met realtors, obviously, if they were interested in meeting with me, I would talk to them. Absolutely. Financial advisors, you know, anybody in home and auto, accountant, stuff like that. Any businesses that didn't seem like it would be a direct relationship, I'd still keep in touch because down the road, they either need financing or they hear about somebody who needs it. And then in their mind, they're thinking, oh, well, I met that girl, Sue, at that event, maybe I should connect her, right?
1: Okay, how did you stay in touch? What was your, let's say you meet somebody, they seem interesting, you go for coffee. Do you have a system? Was it just sort of, do you have a good memory for these things and you just know when, oh, I got to remember to bring this person back in? Or like, what was that like?
0: So at the beginning, I would meet people at these events. A lot of these events were stemmed off of social media. So the event itself was advertised there. So I would connect with them on social media, which is the easiest way to stay connected because I'm very consistent on there. I always post, I share content, I share stories. So I find, you know, I met somebody maybe three years ago and they'll message me this year and say, I have, I have a client for you. I need help. Right. Now I have a little bit of a better system because I'm on a, a better platform CRM wise where I can input the contacts and segment them into different Categories like realtor or financial advisor, so I can keep in touch with them passively that way. So it would be a combination of both the CRM and, of course, staying connected on social media.
1: So, you would, if you met somebody in an event, you'd always try to friend them on Facebook or whatever, so that now you get into their orbit. Is that that's actually a really good yeah. idea? Yeah. Like, from a, even if you didn't do coffee, adding to your social network is a great idea. Okay, yeah. so some of these events I'm sure you'd go to and you'd get a chance to do a little pitch, like a 30 second, hey, I'm awesome. So, give me an example of what you did to cause the growth and the volume growth that you have is in my experience of you know, 200 interviews I've done is very unusual for someone who uh, has shunned the realtor path, right? Like who hasn't used the realtor path. So you must have a decent way to communicate your pitch. So what does that look like when you're in a room full of people and say, Hey, I'm Sue and I do.
0: Exactly. Okay. So I get up and I say, I'm Sue Hamid, um, mortgage agent. I do residential and commercial financing My ideal uh, referral or client right now that I'm looking to help is anybody who's been declined by the bank or another mortgage broker. I will not leave a stone unturned until I find out if the deal is possible. So I would love to chat with those people.
1: So you basically go after the exact opposite of what I would go. I would like, I don't want to see those people. Um, (laughs) And then obviously the cool thing we're talking before we came on this show. But the cool thing about that approach is that when you start to solve problems for those people that seem impossible mm-hmm. more, more people your reputation is going to spread people are going to be like oh my gosh you got to talk to sue she's amazing because she will try every which angle to try to get you disapproved and then i could see why that would compound so you really stuck to, well you did tough files so these are your, these are not like
0: oh, yeah.
1: they're not like simple AAA. you know 780 beacon teachers 20 percent down they're like challenging
0: no, I've done crazy files where even everybody around me, everyone in my office would say, there's no way you're getting that done. And that would fuel me even more to figure out a way to get it done. You
1: don't like to hear no, do you? You're just like, I, I don't believe it. No, nope. I'm, not, I'm not buying what you're selling. So what percentage of your business is A versus B? So like, would you categorize?
0: Yeah, the funny thing about that is it has changed year to year and it continues to change. Um, last year, I would say I probably did anywhere from 60% A, 40%. B in private. Mm-hmm. Uh, the year before that, I probably did more private than A stuff, more B stuff than A stuff. And then uh, this year, I think I'm back to like a 60-40, maybe 65-35 split on 65% being A business and the rest of it being uh, B or private. Because what's happening now is that when the word gets out, even someone might be an A client, but their realtor or their friend is telling them you have to go see Sue because you're for sure going to get it done with her. And right. it can be- the cookie cutter file it's so simple but they think that they need um,
1: but yeah you just yeah they just send you there anyway you might as well go to work if that if it is a problem you'll solve it so when did you decide to hire an assistant so at what point were you like oh my gosh i'm gonna pull my hair out if i don't get help what when was that
0: so you're gonna think i'm crazy because i probably should have hired one (laughs) a lot earlier in the game um In uh, 2016, it was, I had, um, my sister's 20, so I had her come in the summer for a few months and do compliance and some stuff that I just couldn't get to, but it wasn't really a full-time assistant. Mm -hmm. I only hired my first full-time assistant last October. So after I had already done almost 39 that year.
1: And when you did 39 million and 60% A, 40% B, how many hours a week are you putting in to do that? And knowing that you picked some of the challenging stuff.
0: A lot. I would say there was a lot of days. I'm here all day. I'll go home, do my stuff with the family and the kids. And then once they're down, I spend another two hours maybe on the computer. In retrospect, I should have brought somebody in like at the beginning of the year. I, I do regret it. But when I got so busy, I actually didn't have the time to hire or train anybody.
1: Right. That's always the way. It's usually you get to a place where you're literally drowning and you're like, oh my gosh. And then you bring them on. You're like, crap, I don't even have time to show you yeah. to help save me time. So what kind of happened once the assistant got and you got an experienced person. So what happened once that, that started to work? Like, How did you feel in your business?
0: was crazy because most people would say okay I have an assistant and now I'm just going to relax a little bit um, immediately I turned back into time to go back out there and network some more so this year I've already hit like end of June 25.
1: Right so you're on track for like 50 mil this year in terms of production and so another growth year for you with the assistant like because you were obviously putting in a lot of hours before are you still putting the same amount of hours or are you like
0: I'm able to manage it a little bit better. Like I'm trying to balance family time and, and work life, of course. And uh, last year, you know, my kids were like, mom, <laughs> you know, stop working, stop working so much, right? Like right. that I felt that they're young. They're seven and five now. So now I feel like I can manage my schedule a lot better. I'm not necessarily putting in those long hours. I am by nature a quicker worker.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: fast. Uh, when we used to have our family business, I could do the work of two or three people. basically.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Also, you're on CTV Ask the Experts for 18 months. You've only been in the business for five years, which is amazing. How did you land? I have a guess that how you landed it. My guess is that it was through some networking event that you met the right people that got you in the door. But I want to know what, how did you get that opportunity?
0: So it it is somehow I I met somebody at the right time at some point in the last five years. And what happened last February is uh, me and my business partner left our brokerage and opened up our own office under the Mortgage Alliance Network. And uh, immediately when we made the announcement and we left, what I did was an email blast. And it was actually a video email blast. So him and I did a professional video where we were announcing to everybody what we've done and what our plan is. And uh, somewhere in my blast was one of the managers at CTV was a part of my database and I didn't even know it. Mm -hmm. And so it ended up in her inbox, she watched it. And then they called me to come in and chat. And that's when it all came together.
1: Oh, interesting. So you, she saw you on video, sort of, you were doing, it was like a a resume without you even realizing it. And she said, Hey, you seem to be good on video and let's see if you want to do this. And so how often do you do this CTV program?
0: So it's every three weeks in the morning around 9.30am. I pick the topic, I create the content and I send it over and then we do the, the segment. It's about 15 minutes long.
1: So how do you leverage that? Like you must leverage the heck out of that. Cause I would, I would be like, man, I had a radio program for a while and stuff in my market. And so I'd squeeze that for everything I could get out of it. So what kind of things do you do to leverage that opportunity?
0: So I think the one thing that's worked the most is I've shared it on all my social media channels. I actually share the segments Mm -hmm. and that from day one gets me immediately. It's like people, not everyone's watching CTV at nine 30 in the morning. Right. So I sponsor the ads and I actually advertise them. I pay for it on Facebook and Instagram. And just the traction I get from there is amazing. I had a client come in yesterday who told me that her mom watches me on CTV all the time. And her mom told her she has to come see me, which was That's awesome. awesome.
1: They're like, woohoo. Yeah,
0: exactly. um,
1: okay. So, and then on these, just out of curiosity, what would you invest in one of those? you get an episode every three weeks. Do you mm-hmm. have like, a budget you set for it?
0: I usually do three weeks of sponsorship and I spend about $300.
1: Okay. And then how many views and stuff will you get from something like that?
0: So they're primarily Instagram and Facebook. uh, I'll get anywhere from sometimes there's thousands of views on on Facebook and Instagram. You can only see who's liking it, but that goes up to three, four 500 sometimes.
1: Okay. And it's pretty smart what you're doing because you know, there's a new piece of content coming every three weeks. And so you basically keep it, you spend an ad to run it for three weeks to keep it on the radar. So it's smart. You also mentioned that you share stories and other okay. content on social. So what, what do you, give me an example of a story that you share that got good traction.
0: Okay. So every now and then I like to share what I call the deal of the week. So I'll post the story. I'll post a really funny, uh, gif, like that image of, you know, somebody jumping up and down in happiness. And I'll, I'll tell the story of like a very, very difficult deal that I accomplished. Um, I have an example, a recent one, if you want to hear it.
1: Yeah. Hit me. I love stories.
0: Okay. So I had a client who, uh, he had a previous bankruptcy. We're talking about a very large bankruptcy over $5 million uh, in the past. He put an offer on uh, property maybe six, seven months ago. And he went firm. He, in his mind, he's always worked in the way that he can get financing no matter what. Like,
1: he's he doesn't take no financing for a very long time.
0: No, he doesn't. We're very similar in that sense. We get along. But what happened was when he put the offer and he had gone to a few different brokers and everybody was telling him like, you're crazy. You're not, this is not getting done. And he went firm and he extended it like three, four or five times, very patient sellers, surprisingly. And uh, he was referred to me by actually two different realtors told him to call me and I had both done difficult deals in the past for these two realtors. So when he came in, I looked at the file and I'm like, okay, this is, Going to be very difficult because it involved financing the property, getting a second mortgage on the property. There was a VTB involved and I had to put collateral on another one of his properties. Okay. Right. So a lot of moving parts. So I went into it like in stages. I'm like, okay, let me first get the first mortgage secured. I need that before I can go shop for the second. And the collateral on his other property uh, ended up taking too long. So we actually restructured it at the last minute to be a VTB. So Essentially, it was 100% financed, including the VTV. A little bit over 100%, actually.
1: Oh, wow. So the vendor was obviously flexible, and was it an yeah. expensive property?
0: Not too much for Ottawa. It was six hundred k. But the plan with the property itself is to tear down the home, and it's large enough to build three singles in a very prime area.
1: Okay. So the, so, the
0: profit on the property is, is substantial.
1: Okay, so you had, there was a plan there, like an exit and stuff, so the investors, the lender knows, okay, I can... Okay, that's cool. Yeah, so no, I think it's great when you share stories or examples of problem you solved, situation, and then people go, oh, I've, I've heard that. or And so do you get good traction from those?
0: I do, yeah. I get a lot of reaction. I get, And that's where I've built up on that over the years, where I'm showing them what I can do or what's possible, and that's where I'm getting a lot of referrals from. I absolutely avoid ever posting, call me, here's today's five-year rate, here's the rate right here. I, I, I don't do that. I won't do it.
1: Yeah, that's not effective. That's the equivalent of going to a networking event and saying, hey, here's my card. Uh, Call me if you need me. you are like, it's it's just a, you know, it's all about you. Um, And um, I went to a networking event once and I was talking to a friend about real estate and this realtor just walks up to me and goes, oh, I heard you're talking about real estate. Here's my card. And I'm like, (laughs) get out of here. Like, I wouldn't call you now if you were the last realtor. I would sell it myself if if I had to, because I'm just like, I'm so insulted by the fact that you A, Interrupted my conversation. B could care less about me. All you were thinking about is like you wanted a, you thought you could get a listing, and I was just like, that's just that is somebody with no, I don't know, no people skills. What's low emotional IQ, I guess, is that's what. It absolutely,
0: and they're only thinking about themselves. And people will read that on you in a second. If you're going in and it's all about you, they they're seeing it on you.
1: Yeah, yeah, they can, you can, you can feel people's intention. So, uh, and probably you having a background in a family business where you had to deal with customers all the time, that probably helped in terms of the networking, because you're good at somebody comes in the store, or whatever, and you're like, hey, build a rapport quickly. And so, okay, so I'm just trying to think there's some other questions that I had. You also, and I really appreciate one of the things you did, you're like one of the, I think you're, I want to say you're the only guest that's ever sent me literally like a bio that's like i'm like oh crap this is awesome so i have it all highlighted like crazy here um uh, very
0: detailed. can you imagine how my lender notes
1: are uh, yeah well what I mean? yeah exactly i was like oh crap this is awesome so you said that you're you're willing to take risks and i've always invested back into your business so give me some examples of risks that you've taken and, and investments that you made actually i want one that didn't work and then i want one that worked because i think people i don't want to just share hey everything works all the time and you know yeah. Be like Sue, I if you could share one that didn't work, what happened, what you learned, and then one that did.
0: Okay, for sure. I mean, as far as investments that didn't work, I've probably uh, sponsored some events in the past. And, you know, sponsorship can be quite expensive. And you're going into a network where you think your sponsorship will yield some results, right? Um, so are we
1: talking about like a live event or something?
0: Yeah, like uh, sponsoring a, you know, a large dinner or a large event. Uh, I've done a couple of them, and I find those ones are never an immediate return and not necessarily direct business. Um, Sometimes I do it just for branding, to be honest with you. So in regards to spending money, uh, if I'm advertising or marketing or doing a sponsorship or or an event, I don't always go into it thinking I need an immediate deal out of it. I never think about it that way. I always look at doing a combination of multiple things and the potential of it creating a stronger brand and also giving me, you know, potential clients that come through.
1: So part of it for you, I'm, I'm writing some notes here, but you play the long game with it. And you're, you're thinking, I'm building a brand, building my personal brand, and I'm also building my network. And so it's not like, hey, I put 200 bucks in, I want to get, you know, what back. And so what's the one thing that you've invested in that has defied your expectations or has been better than you expected?
0: I would have to say CTV.
1: Right. Oh, yeah, I can see because it gives you a platform and it gives you immediate credibility. When I was doing the radio show, it wasn't on TV uh, because I have a face for radio, as they say. (laughs) Um, So I did radio and I would that would give me all kinds of access to people. And like there's lots of cool things you could do when you have a media platform that you can leverage. So um, and
0: it was a risk because it was it's a substantial cost. It's not um, there's only one other broker in, in Ottawa who ever did any kind of TV advertising for me.
1: Right. And so do you, you buy ads to support that show or how does that work?
0: So how it works is the segments and then the one week of ads prior to each segment, it's kind of like a package deal. Yeah. And I sat with them and I told them one of the first questions they asked me is, what are you expecting to get out of this? And my response was, uh, you know, I want to build my brand and then I want to create, you know, in the long term, a name in the city and, and you know, hopefully get business that way. And the lady that I was chatting with, she said, that's perfect. You didn't say what 99% of the people say is that they want to go on and get an immediate return.
1: Right. And you've been doing it for 18 months, right? So you've done, what is that? Every three weeks. So 18 shows approximately. Pretty
0: much. Yeah.
1: Right. Okay, cool. So is there anything else that I should have asked you or like, I really appreciate you spending some time with us and talking about the networking thing, which I'm not strong at. I wrote some notes on, you know, Sue's networking advice. But anything I could have, should have asked you that you think our audience would find helpful or useful?
0: I think the most important thing when you're in this business is seeing improvements, whether it's gradual or it's, it's large. My motivation was every year I look back and I said, okay, I'm growing. And I love to continue growing, right? So even now I'm still on track another year of growth and I, I don't want it to stop there.
1: Right. Yeah, you definitely, like, if I look at your trajectory over the last five years, it's been every year growth, 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 growth. And um, you're strategically finding, like, bringing in assistance and help. Because at some point, if you don't get help, you're hit capacity and you'll just be like, you can only do so much, right? So it's good that you recognize that. And your assistant is full-time?
0: She's full-time, yep. And she, she has that experience. She was with one of the major banks for 30 years. So definitely the transition of bringing her in was relatively smooth. The only thing for her right now, she's like, wow, you can get so much stuff done that the bank could never do. And I'm like, well, yeah,
1: that's why we're brokers. <laughs> that's why we do what we do. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Sue, I really appreciate you taking the time today and uh, coming on the show, sharing your advice, your opposite advice of building oh. realtor partnerships. But I bet you, though, you do have realtor partnerships now because you've built this reputation of, uh, hey, call Sue because if there's any way to get it done, it's her. So like, how many? just out of curiosity, how many realtors do you work with now?
0: Now I probably have a solid group of uh, 10 realtors that send me consistent business. I'm their go-to. We have a fantastic relationship. They don't really have expectations from me other than the fact that they want me to get the deal done and do it well. And that's it. So that was built over time. And that's why I feel that doing it the opposite way and building my base and getting strong in my business and then attracting the realtors naturally was, uh, I I felt that was a great way for me to, to start my
1: business. Right. Awesome. Well, Hey, and thanks again for being on the show and uh, sharing your story and your journey. And I'm excited. I'll circle back to you in a year and see how you're doing again. See, like, Hey Sue, are you still crushing it? Which I'm sure you will be. So <laughs>
0: That'd be awful. that sounds good.
1: Thanks for listening. If you like the show, please head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. If you do, you'll get three deals in the next week. Okay. That's not entirely true, but we'd really appreciate it. Also, you can check out everything at ilovemortgagebrokering.com. See you next week.